You're listening to the RV Homeschool Podcast, where we make travel educational and fun. Grab your sunglasses and a gallon of water, because we're heading to Arches National Park. Thank you for listening to the RV Homeschool Podcast. I am your host, Amber Steuben. We are a family of four that travels the U.S. and Canada in our Jayco Seneca Motorhome. And we've been to, oh gosh, 35 of the national parks now. We just spent the last week in Moab, Utah, which was a really great experience. We visited both Arches and Canyonlands. So we're going to do a double header feature and talk about Arches here. And then I'm going to quickly turn around and do the podcast for Canyonlands because you're often visiting both parks if you're heading to that area and I wanted to give you some useful information. So why visit Arches? Well, Arches is really cool because you have this sandstone that's there from an ancient sea that used to be around and over the years it has eroded somewhat from wind, mostly from water, and that erosion has led to um, you know cracks and divots and parts of the rock that is gone now. So you end up with these arches or windows, which are not quite the same degree as an arch, but maybe it's wider. Um, Or you can have fins, which is where the, the wind or the water has rubbed down the rock. And so you end up with these big boulders and other interesting rock features. And like I said, mostly this is um, water doing the erosion. So some of it's wind, but it's mostly water, even though the area only gets about 10 inches of precipitation per year. It has a lot of beautiful views. You actually have the LaSalle Mountains out in the distance. So you can be in, you know, Moab, you can be at Arches and you're in this hot red rock. It's over 80 degrees. And out in the distance, you see these white capped mountains that still have snow on them. So that's a really cool feature. And then there's over 2,000 arches that are actually within Arches National Park. So they are all over the place. You can see them everywhere as you're driving around and hiking around. You probably recognize Delicate Arch, which is seen on the Utah license plate. So if you've looked at the Utah license plate, you see that really thin, high arch on there. That's Delicate Arch. And you can also see other slick rock there. There's grassland, so kind of grassland shrubbery nearby um, when it comes to animals, not necessarily a big park for major wildlife, but you can see a lot of lizards, birds, things like that. And movies have loved using arches as a landscape. So uh, Thelma Louise has some footage that was shot here. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade at that intro scene where Indy's supposed to be a young man, like 19 year old, and the, the robbers have a secret cave and they're keeping all their treasure. That was filmed in arches. So it's pretty cool. There's a lot of kind of use of it in pulp culture. The other thing about Arches is it's not necessarily a super busy park in terms of visitation. So they only get about a million visitors a year, which is not very much compared to some of your larger parks, but it feels busy because it is so small and you really just have one road that's taking you in and out of the park. Um, Most visitors though, who come to visit Arches are really only coming here for a couple of hours. So uh, a lot of people just come, they kind of do a drive-through and then they head on their way. So if you have time to dedicate a full day or even multiple days, you're going to get to see a lot of arches that most people, other people are not going to see. 
So we always talk about logistics when we start the podcast and logistics in terms of driving and getting there and RV access. So Arches National Park is located in eastern Utah. So it's off of I-70 and about 30 miles south of I-70 on Highway 191. 191 will get you into the Moab area. The popular times that people like to visit, April and May are pretty popular, especially May, Um, and then later in like September, October. So you do have a winter here. You, You still have snow and stuff in Utah. So the winter months obviously give you some amazing views and stuff, but maybe not the best for hiking, uh, depending on what you want to do. And the summer months here in this area in Utah are really hot. We were just here the third week of May, and it, the temperature hit 88 degrees one of the days we were there, and that was a really hot day. Um, we've also been to Bryce Canyon in May, and it's been snowing. So May's kind of up in the air. I mean, you can have snow and you can have 90 degrees, and that's just kind of how this area is. But generally, you're still going to have some better weather. Once you get into July and August, it's just really hot, and you have to plan your hiking and, and your day trips and all your stuff kind of around the weather and being able to be out when it's really early or later in the evening. For Arches itself, the park has one main entrance, one paved road that goes through the park. And from the point that you enter, if you were to take the road all the way to the end where it loops and then you have to head back out, it's 18 miles. And like I said, a lot of people only come to Arches and spend a couple of hours, so they're probably not making it all the way out to the end of the loop. But we are going to talk about all the different sites and some highlights and stuff if you're doing that full stretch. It also means that there can be really heavy traffic to this area because you have just the one route. And there's just the one entrance, technically, to Arches National Park. And so what you end up getting is um, the Arches entrance is off to the road, kind of on a frontage road from Highway 191, but it doesn't go very far back until it's meeting back up with 191, maybe half a mile. I mean, maybe it's up to a mile, but it's not very far. So if there's enough traffic and enough people who are there, which you're going to hit like Memorial Day weekend or um, when school's first getting out for summer in early June, it's easy for it to be so filled up with traffic that they actually have to close arches to any other visitors. And it's not that arches itself is getting so full of people. The problem is that the, the line of cars that's trying to get into the visitor center or to get through the entrance, are backing up onto the main highway. And that highway, 191, is already congested enough. There was major construction going on just a month ago. So um, expect delays, expect it to close down to one lane, what should be two lanes on a bunch of places. Um, So there's already a lot of traffic. And when the highway starts getting blocked because so many people are trying to get into arches, then they have to close access into arches. And they do that often, especially right now, Memorial Day weekend, I'm sure that they did that. Sometimes even as early as like nine or 10 in the morning. So if this is your only way in, you may not be able to get into the park. Now, I'm going to tell you a secret other entrance at the end of this podcast. So tune in for that and stick around for other secret entrances into Arches. So that is a little bit about getting there. You don't have any major bridges or tunnels or anything like that that you're having to worry about in terms of a large RV on getting there. The Once you come into the entrance, though, you are climbing a little bit of a kind of a switchback as you're moving up in elevation. So you have a bit of an incline. 
I haven't done this in our RV before because we've stayed outside of the park. There is a campground in the park, so you may have to do this with an RV. We saw people in their cars not even knowing how to downshift, and they're riding their brakes the whole way out of that, uh, which is definitely not the way to do it. Um, so just so you know, there is an incline. It means a bit of an ascent as you're coming in, and then as you're leaving, just be sure to go down to your lower gears, and you can ease out of that. And when we get back, we're going to talk about favorite sites at the park. So when you first drive into Arches, it's nice to go to the visitor center. You can watch the park movie while you're there. There's a bunch of information and they have a bunch of kind of like interpretive signs and educational stuff that is there that you can look at and see what you're getting into. What do you want to see and what highlights might there be within the park? And of course, you can talk to the rangers while you're here. You can also set up your um, park passes if you want to do any specific tours or things like that. Although a lot of that stuff has moved to being online through the recreation.gov either the app or on their websites. And so for a lot of that stuff, if you think you do want to do it like a ranger led tour, I would recommend booking that ahead of time if you can, because you may not actually be able to do it the day that you show up. The park really has three main portions to it. And those portions would be the windows section, delicate arch, and then devil's garden. And so we'll kind of talk through some of the highlights at each of those locations. As you're, as you're passing the visitor center and then you're driving your way up that ascent that I mentioned, you're going to start seeing a lot of arches and different rock formations along the side of the road. And it's really nice because you can just pull the car over. The kids loved just being able to kind of hike around and check out some of these boulders and they like to pretend that they were holding them up and pose for pictures and all that kind of fun stuff. So there's a bunch of stuff to see just as you're first getting into the park, which is really exciting. If you continue moving on through that, really your next major highlight point is going to be Balanced Rock. And I highly recommend at least checking out Balanced Rock and the window section, even if you only have an hour or two, make those your two quick stops that you at least go to. Balanced Rock is really cool because it's 128 feet high, so it's really tall. It's a 3,600 ton Entrada sandstone boulder that is up there. It's kind of perched on top of another eroding mudstone formation. So you have the one that looks like it's almost holding up and balancing the big boulder that is on top of it. And it is still eroding, so someday it will fall, but it seems to be pretty stable for now. There used to be another boulder that was not as large as Balanced Rock. It was called Chip Off the Old Block, and it was another type of thing where it was a boulder perched on top of other rocks. And that one actually collapsed back in the 70s. So they do fall over, they do erode. And I think even now at Landscape Arch, you're not even allowed to stand underneath it because it's so thin and fragile that they're afraid that it could collapse at any time. So go see Balanced Rock in case, you know, maybe it's not there the next time you, you stop by. Also, kind of from Balanced Rock, you're pretty close to the entrance for the window section. And this will just be a road that you take off to your right and it will take you down onto a loop. It's pretty quick and easy to go down there. There's quite a bit of parking. We've always been able to find parking over there, not necessarily for RVs, unless you have a short RV that can fit in just a general, normal vehicle parking spot. I don't remember seeing a lot of big RVs. And like I said, we don't take our RV into arches. Uh, we never have, at least. The window section is nice because it's just a loop 
hike. It's only a one mile loop, so it's really not very far, but you can see a bunch of different arches on that loop. And so um, you kind of have these big windows, arches, and then um, these big open arches, like one that looks like an eye. And then you have turret arch, which is cool because you have an arch and then you have this big boulder that's next to it that lifts up on the side of it that ends up kind of looking like a turret. So it's just really neat to be able to see all those and they're really close by each other and quick and easy to do that hiking. A little side note too about hiking in Moab and in the desert in general is that you want to make sure that you have a lot of water with you. They recommend that you should be drinking a gallon of water a day. One individual person should be drinking a gallon of water a day in order to keep up with the dehydration that you're going to have. So I highly recommend making sure you have a lot of water. Um, I remember they had restrooms at this um, parking area and I think there was a place where you could fill up on your water as well. So if you're bringing reusable water bottles, hopefully you are, then you can just fill that up while you're here and make sure you're getting plenty to drink and the restrooms were open so you have a way to go to the bathroom too in case you um, need the restrooms. So window section, very cool to check out and pretty quick and easy with that one mile hike. If you then head back onto the main road and keep going further into the park, the next thing that you're going to come to is the turnoff for Delicate Arch. And Delicate Arch, as I mentioned, is what you see on the license plate for Utah. So it's definitely kind of the, I don't know, the poster child for Arches National Park is Delicate Arch. And it is very cool to see, but don't forget there's over 2,000 arches here. So um, if you don't see Delicate Arch, don't feel like you'd, you're going to miss out because there's so many other arches and amazing sites here to see. One of the things that's cool for Delicate Arch is there's three different trails you can kind of use to access part of it or at least access a viewpoint for it and I, um, I'll talk about them from the easiest to the hardest. So the easiest are the viewpoints and there's two viewpoints. There's uh, what's called the upper viewpoint and then the lower viewpoint and one of them is like I think it's about a quarter of a mile over from the parking lot to where the lower viewpoint is and you can see delicate arch off into the distance. A little further hike, less than a mile though, is where you get to upper viewpoint. You're just a little bit closer and you're seeing still Delicate Arch. And then if you want to do the full hike out to Delicate Arch, this is three miles round trip and it's considered more of like a moderate hike. It's really popular during sunrise and sunset because you can get that photography of the sun in relation to, you know, Delicate Arch and, and the way that that looks. So a lot of people will go do this hike at sunrise or sunset. Of course, be sure to bring, you know, a headlamp or a flashlight with you because you don't want to hike in and enjoy sunset and then you're having trouble hiking out on a moderate hike that, you know, there's not any lights or anything out there. So be sure that you have proper light gear if you're going to do that. If you're going in the middle of the day, just make sure you have enough water with you. Also, the parking lot fills up for this pretty quickly so in the mornings if you're not here really early you're likely not going to be able to get into this parking lot to do the hike until later in the day by the time that we were driving by here um i don't remember what time it was but it was early afternoon and there were still parking spots available but like i said this was third week of may as you get further like memorial day in early june it's even more crowded there the next spot to oh the other thing i want to mention about delicate arch on this particular hike you go by Wolf Ranch and you have like a little loop off the hike where you can go and see some of the Ute petroglyph 
um, that are painted up onto the wall. So it's kind of cool. Like I think this is the only place where you see petroglyphs within actual Arches National Park. There's some other places to see petroglyphs within Moab, but this is the spot where you can see them at Arches. Then if you go back to the main road and you continue heading all the way out towards Devil's Garden, one of the things that you're going to see off to the side of the road is the fiery furnace. And this is really cool. There's just all these huge rock formations and they're not quite like the hoodoos of Bryce Canyon, but they do have this uh, unique um, pillar-like appearance to them and then the different colors on the rock. And you can tell it's just this labyrinth of um, paths and rocks. And it is the kind of place where people can get lost. So they don't recommend you just freely hike into this area. They actually have a three hour ranger led hike that you can do. So this is one of those hikes, one of those tours that you wanna book ahead of time. And then a ranger will go with you into this labyrinth, which is the fiery furnace. And you can hike through it. You'll learn a bunch of information and you won't get lost because you don't wanna be lost there. The next thing is if you keep driving on the road, you get out to Devil's Garden. And this is really the end of that 18 mile stretch on the road. It has the least amount of visitors because those people who are coming for just an hour to drive through are probably not going to travel this far into the park. There's a place where you can park at the lot and then you can hike in to a path that will take you if you did the whole thing, it's 7.2 miles to do the round trip, but you're going to pass eight different arches as you do that. And some of them are really famous arches. So like you have Landscape Arch is out here and Landscape Arch, I actually have like four different national park guides and none of them agree on the size of Landscape Arch. So it's somewhere between 290 feet to 306 feet in width. This is the one that I mentioned that's really delicate and thin. So they don't even want you standing underneath it, but you can see it from this hike that you're doing in Devil's Garden. The double O arch is also here, which is where you have these arches that are, there's two arches and one's kind of like mounted on top of the other one. So a lot of cool arches and you're not going to see as many people. So for a lot of people who have spent a lot of time at arches, the Devil's Garden area really seems to be a favorite for them. And when we come back, we're going to talk about camping options for Arches National Park. So in terms of camping within the actual national park at Arches, Devil's Garden is the only campground that they have. It's dry camping, so they don't have any sort of hookups, although they do have some um, like vault toilets that are there. You have to book this really early. They do take reservations for this. And there's very few sites that really work for a large RV like we have. So I have, um, I did shoot a video and I'll have that uh campground review posted here pretty soon, probably not today, but pretty soon, probably by the time you're listening to this, on the Devil's Garden campground so you can see what some of the sites look like and what might work for a larger RV. And of course, you need to book into this early because it fills up. In fact, I was trying to look for stuff really throughout the summer in case we wanted to head back and I couldn't find anything. So it must be one of those where as soon as it opens up, people are already booking into those spots. If you can't get into Devil's Garden, you can go glamping at many nearby campgrounds. So along Highway 191 within Moab, there's a lot of different RV parks. Now, um, I mean, there's so many, there's probably like eight or something, so quite a few. But having said that, when we went that third week of May, it was like uh, two months before that we decided we were heading up to Moab, I couldn't even get a campsite. So it was already so full, I had to just keep 
checking and logging back in and trying to see if anything opened up. And we managed to get in to the KOA for part of our trip there. And we liked the KOA. We have a video review on that on our YouTube channel. Um, if you don't subscribe to the YouTube channel, just look up RV Homeschool and it should pop up our channel for you and you can subscribe there. And then just look under campground reviews and you can see all the different campgrounds and the different places in Moab that we recommend. There's also a lot of dry camping and boondocking options in Moab. And this is because uh, BLM land is all over the place, BLM standing for Bureau of Land Management. So there's a lot of land that they manage. And the great thing about BLM land is that they allow for dispersed camping in a lot of locations, and you can stay there up to 14 days. So when you're talking about fully dispersed camping, then you're talking about free camping. You could just park on the side of the designated roads, like Willow Springs Road is one of them, and you can camp there for up to 14 days. Now, some of the other places that they have are dry camping locations. So they still don't have any hookups, but you do have a dedicated campsite that is your campsite. And again, these are first come, first serve. You can stay up to 14 days. Some of them are allowing reservations through recreation.gov, like Ken's Lake, and the group sites for these dry camping locations allow for reservations as well. So if you have a big group that's going together, I highly recommend getting one of these group sites because they're really large. They have some great natural space next to them. And I think that's just a really fun way to have um, a good time with your friends and family. The super secret thing that I wanted to tell you about is heading in through Willow Springs Road. So this is a four by four dirt road. It's actually just before you're getting into Moab area on Highway 191. It's actually, I think you hit Willow Springs Road and then a little past that is where you hit the turnoff for 313, which heads to Dead Horse State Park and Canyonland. So it's, um, it's north of that is where Willow Springs Road is. And it's just this dirt road, but you'll see a bunch of RVs and can't, um, tents and things along this because you're allowed to just do dispersed camping here. And like I said, it's the 14 days that they let you stay here. There's RVs for the first few miles of this, but then if you continue on this road, it's a four by four dirt road. You want a little bit of clearance in it. Um, although it's not, it's not anything super technical, but you definitely want a vehicle that can kind of handle that. So you don't want to be taking your minivans in here, but it's not that difficult of a drive and you can see some dinosaur tracks. So once you get a little further in, there's all these dinosaur tracks that you can check out and they have an interpretive sign that tells you about the tracks and how to find them. And then you can continue along the road and eventually it enters Arches National Park at the point of balanced rock. So you still need to pay for a park pass. We just have an annual pass. So we just had that hang tag sitting in our Jeep. Um, so you still have to pay for entrance, but you don't have to go through that main gate entrance area. So if they close that off because there's so much traffic and they can't have it backing up onto the highway, you can take Willow Springs Road as long as you have a vehicle that can do that. So really cool to know that there is this back way. We have a video on this as well. Um, the other thing that we did from here, if you have enough clearance and you know your your vehicle's capable for it you can do some off-roading then i suggest heading up to eye of the whale arch because this was only another i don't know mile off of the road um, that we took and we went over to eye of the whale arch and nobody was there so we had this huge beautiful super cool arch and there's nobody around us we just got to explore this have fun um obviously when you're in the main 
National Park. It's very crowded. It's hard to get family shots and pictures where it's just you and the arches. And so this was cool to have an arch that we kind of had to ourselves and got to hang out at. But again, this road that comes out to Eye of the Whale Arch does require a little bit more clearance. We were in our Jeep Wrangler. I think a, a stock Jeep Wrangler would have been fine too. Um, but again, you don't want to be taking like your minivans and stuff out here. But it is very cool. If you're really brave and bold, you can continue the the trek gets a little bit more difficult but you can go all the way up to tower arch which is this really tall boulder that's out in the distance and it's one of the least visited arches just because of the um, roads that you have to take to get out here but you can check that out too so hopefully this was useful for you in understanding some of your options and some of the things to see at Arches National Park. Again, we have a YouTube channel. You can find us and see video for all of these different things that I'm mentioning, the different campsites, um, a video about seeing some of these different sites. But thank you so much for listening. Please leave a review or rating if you can. I promise I check every single one of those. Um, they're always so nice to see those. And you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at RV Homeschool. And we post little pictures and videos and things about the different adventures and some of that stuff. And then you'll know what's coming out in the future. And then, of course, on YouTube at RV Homeschool there. So thank you so much for listening. Have fun at the parks. <music>